Maybe just tell him not to do it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Welcome. It's a great day to be in God's house with uh, warm fellowship with one another and, to, and filled with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We welcome you here today. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and uh, we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together this morning. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets that's on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to, uh, to take that and to fill it out and give us as much information as you feel comfortable with. Uh, and especially if you would like to be on our email newsletter list, uh, please give us your email, so, email address so we can uh, put you on our list. That comes out every Thursday. And uh, it gives you an opportunity to see what uh, ministry opportunities and fellowship opportunities and service opportunities and worship opportunities we have here at Community Baptist Church. So uh, uh, please fill that out and, and, uh, and pass it down the road. Uh, another thing, next Sunday we're going to be having a, a day of remembrance uh, for people who in our lives who have passed away recently. And so if you would like to uh, have someone remembered uh, in a special way next week, then please let us know in the church office uh, very soon. And if you have a picture of that person that, then, that you would like to provide, uh, please bring that by the church office very soon so we can uh, ha have it digitally up here and we'll put a, a picture of that person up here. And uh, that will be next Sunday during our morning worship service. Um, and we'll be remembering some people who have, uh, some of our loved ones who have passed away. Uh, it has been a very busy weekend. Uh, it has been, we've had a lot of things going on. We had a wonderful harvest festival on Friday. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, we, we, I think we had just enough chili. I mean, like really right down to the last bowl. And, uh, and it, we had a great crowd of people here and uh, had a wonderful, wonderful time. The, the games were great. The costumes were great, and it was. Uh, and I, I want to thank everybody who uh, pitched in to uh, make that possible. It was. Uh, it was a great time, so I appreciate it, and we're very thankful for it. And then thankful for all of those people who pitched in right afterwards to break everything down and and move everything out of the way and get ready for upward basketball and cheerleading yesterday morning and yesterday afternoon, and then break it down again and get ready for church here. Uh, this morning. So it's been a hectic weekend, a busy weekend, but it has been a good weekend. So thank you for all who are have participated in that. Uh, I think we have um, one more announcement, or I don't know if this is an announcement. I think it's more of a challenge. And uh, Danny Vincent is going to challenge us here. Wow, I didn't expect that. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Okay. Lunch. We got we got some items here. I'm gonna put up here so everybody can have a good visual while we're done here. Everybody see this? This is gonna be this is gonna be great. So good morning again. I have been asked to announce the winner of the 2010 Harvest Holiday Challenge. Nominees are no, the women. Wait a minute. We haven't even had the comp the contest yet. Just just wait. No. Just wait. <laughs> the nominees are once again the women of Community Baptist Church. <laughs> and the men of Community Baptist Church. It's time to man up. Okay, can we have the envelope, please? All right. Envelope. <laughs> and the winner is the man. Yeah. Woo! Stand up, man, stand up. 
Stand up. If you're part of this, stand up. Stand up. You want to man up? Stand up. Okay, evidently this envelope had been tinkered with because the competition has not began yet, but the winner in here says actually the, is Christian Outreach. That is the winner. Yay! Um, since, Thanksgiving time is, since, since Thanksgiving is a time of giving, the Mission Ministry Team and Mary Rise Sunday School class are issuing a challenge to the entire church. For the month of November, there will be a very friendly competition between the men and the women to see who can bring in the most items to help stock the shelves at Christian Outreach. Um, each week, there's a different item you're asked to bring in, and for each item, that team will get a point. There's going to be a um, person, they're going to keep count. We're going to have a designated person who's impartial. They're going to be <laughs> to count the items and keep up the tally. Um, for the week, listed in your bulletin is the list of um, items and what, which week to bring which item. For November 3rd through the 17th, we ask for peanut butter. Uh, November 10th through the 14th, cereals or oatmeal or breakfast bars. For November 17th through the 21st, a helper meal such as hamburger helper, chicken or tuna helper. And for November 24th through the 28th, any canned meat such as uh, canned chicken, tuna, salmon or Vienna sausages or whatever those things are. <laughs> Not only, um, the fun of the game is the victors, the winners... <coughs> will be prepared a Valentine meal by the defeated team. The men. The men. And so... <laughs> so, you know, we like to eat, men. Yes. <laughs> it's time to man up and bring in these items as listed in your bulletin, okay? Uh, this is going to go for a great cause. Uh, this is going to go to Christian Outreach and the people in need of the Henderson County. Uh, it's not about us, it's about them. And we want everyone to participate in this, and we want everyone to get involved. And uh, we'll have a nice meal, and we'll all eat together. And at the end, it's going to be the people in need of Henderson County that's going to benefit from this. So thank you all. And at this time, let's have a nice greeting for everybody in the name of the Lord. Thank you. Stand up to greet. Cause you were forsaken, I'm accepting, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, spirit is within me, because you died and rose again.
seated. Come on down, children. Come down here and see Nibby. How many, how many children do we have this morning? We've got a bunch. Ooh. Oh, lots of them. Wow. Wow, lots of children this morning. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. What are, um, well, first, memories are a good thing. Do y'all have some memories? Have some memories of growing up? Um, what are some Halloween memories that you have? Do you know of any Halloween memories? Oh, candy? Um, well, one of the nice things about getting older is that you have more good memories than you did when you're young. And one of my memories that I have of Halloween parties of the past was at my growing up church. Uh, we would play games, we would wear costumes and ingest, eat a lot of wheat Kool-Aid and Reese cups. <laughs> that was what Halloween parties were like at my growing up church. You got plenty of candy there, it looks like. <laughs> These parties would take place in our church basement. The church that I grew up in was, is a really old um, church in downtown Henderson. Uh, one of the things for sure is that the floors, when you'd walk around on the floors of the church, whether it be upstairs or in the basement, the floors would go creak, 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 creak. Many times I was in the church and by myself, well, I wouldn't say by myself, but I would hear things. You know, I think it was the friendly Holy Ghost that was around in, in the church in those days. Um, the church floors, like I said, would creak, and the place even smelled old. It still does today, uh, because it's an old building in our downtown. Two things that I remember most about the Halloween parties was the spook house that we would have in the church basement and the fortune teller. We would convert the church social hall into, the church social hall was a big room underneath the sanctuary, and it had a real long hallway. And we would make a spook house in this long hallway, and we would get spaghetti and put it in the refrigerator overnight, and we would lead people through the spook house, and we would stick their hands in the spaghetti and tell them it was brains <laughs> to scare them. And then we would take grapes, and we would put them in the freezer and peel them, and stick people's hands down in the grapes and tell them it was eyeballs. <laughs> that was it. And we would have big parties uh, in, the, in the social hall. Um, it was just a lot of fun. It was, it was a memory to me. In another closet off of the social hall, we had a fortune teller set up. The fortune teller was really good. She dressed up really nice and had a crystal ball, a deck of cards, and everything. She would invite people into the hall closet and tell them all this incredible future they had. She was so good. We kids would line up multiple times to go in the little closet there and have our fortunes told because we knew when we left that she was going to tell us all these incredible things that were going to happen to us in our future. Um, we just couldn't resist to keep going back and, eat, back, and back and back to, to see the fortune teller. Several of my fellow friends enjoyed it too. Um, and then it became so popular that the adults started going into the closet and having their fortune told. Yes, this was taking place in the basement of the First Baptist Church. The lady that was the fortune teller was Miss Mary Bullard. She was quite a stitch of a lady. Us kids really enjoyed her. She was a Sunday school teacher and a lover of music. Her daughter, Jeannie, was the church organist, very similar to what I do here at Community Baptist Church. And her husband, Miss Bullard's husband, and her picture's right up there right now, um, her husband, J.C., he ran the sound system for the church. She went with us on many, many junior music camps. Um, she entertained us with many of her bigger-than-life stories. She created memories for me because she was at church and I was at church. Then next year, Halloween rolled around, and we had another party at the church. Since fortune teller Miss Bullard was such a hit, she was asked back. And again, the adults began to enjoy her 
prognostications as well. You know, that's a big word for y'all, but it means predicting the future. She told one lady that she was going to have a baby. And guess what? A few months later, the lady had a baby. (laughs) And she told another lady who had been single for a really long time that she was going to get married. And guess what? She got married. (laughs) At that point... uh, she told yeah, that she was going to get married. At that point, I think the fortune teller character at the church Halloween party was axed for future years. We all know that immortal, invisible God is only wise. And only God knows our future. What we do know, that there are people in our lives like Miss Bullard who can create for us, at a very young age, a memory. A memory that helps God live in our lives today. Miss Bullard died in October the 8th of 1990, but her memories to me of love and care for us kids live on today. Miss Bullard taught many of us uh, young musicians programs at the church. During these programs, we learned many of songs that I remember, hear that word remember coming in again today, that tell me Bible stories and lessons that Jesus taught. She created for me memories. So, here's the question I have for you. How many of y'all came to Bible study, or as what we used to call it several years ago, Sunday school this morning? How many of you came to Sunday school? All of you came? That is great. If you didn't come to Bible study or Sunday school, or some people even call it nowadays small group events, um, I encourage you to be a part so you can have memories like I did of Miss Bullard and the love and the stories and the Bible verses and the songs that she taught us. Okay, does that make sense? Do you understand that? We, we want to come to church, number one, to praise God, and number two, so we can have memories of Jesus and God that can live in our life for a long time. Okay? So y'all get to trick-or-treat again today? Yeah, that's great. Well, the children that are going on to Children's Church can go there, and the rest of you can go back with your parents. Thank you. I was going to bring you something today, but the only thing I could think that you really needed was toothbrushes.
be seated. Our scripture today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 10 and 12 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And the second one is Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I think that last verse, if that were our uh, daily guide, I think that would help us get through just about anything that life hands out to us. Let us pray. Lord, we're happy to be able to come to worship you in your house today. We thank you for all the folks that are here, all the children. We thank you for the blessings that you have given each and every one of us. We pray that you will be with us as promised in this verse. We know that you are there through the hard times, the good times, through the sad times, the happy times. But we know we feel your presence most when we are having those difficult times, and we know that you do give us the strength to persevere. Thank you for all of our many blessings. Be with us, guide us, and lead us as we go forth this week about our daily activities. Amen. for us to bring that which God has given to us and share it with us in hope that we have the church continue and carry on. And that is our uh, chance today. Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we come to you and, and hear your word, Take our blessings that we are handing to you and use it wisely with all the people that have been in this church in the last few days. Carry us forward as we uh, continue to try to do your work. 
for us through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Amen.
And what a beautiful hymn of praise it is. Thank you so much, choir. We are finishing up our series on the Beatitudes today, unlocking the blessings of God. And each week during this series, we have been looking at one of the Beatitudes. And today we're looking at the last one, which comes from Matthew 5, verse 10. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about persecution. In fact, a lot of folks believe that the purpose of Christianity is to avoid persecution at all costs. Many of us think that that we're successful if no one's mad at us or if nobody's giving us a hard time. But Jesus seemed to think that that all of this is a part of the Christian life. I mean, if we are going to live like Jesus, then one of the things that we're going to experience is persecution. I heard about one guy who was at the airport waiting to leave for New York City, and a, a woman overheard the fact that he was going to New York City, so she approached him and said, Sir, I understand that you're going to New York. And he said, Yes, ma- yes ma'am, I am. And she said, well, my son ran away from home about two years ago, and I was wondering if you could look for him while you're there. Well, he said, well, ma'am, New York's a fairly large place. I doubt very seriously that I'll be able to find your son. And and she just started crying uncontrollably. And so finally, finally, he said, "Okay, lady, I'll, I'll look for your son. And she said, but you don't even know his name. And she's and he said, well, write his name down. And so she wrote down his name, John Dunn. Well, he didn't think much about it until he landed in New York City. And he was he was going down the street and he saw this this huge building with a sign on it that said Dunn and Bradstreet. And so he thought, hmm, John Dunn. This young man's done pretty well for himself. And so he went in, and, and there was a lady sitting at the front desk. And so, so he said, ma'am, do you have a John here? And she said, of course we do. It's the second door on the right. <laughs> so he went on down, and he opened the door. And there was a guy standing there washing his hands. And he said, are you done? <laughs> he said, yes, I am. So he said, call your mother. (laughs) I'd say this guy was a little bit confused about his mission. Okay? You know, I think a lot of us are probably confused about our mission as Christians as well. For you see... Many of us think that the Christian life just means sliding through life and and being nice to everyone and, and being very careful not to offend anyone. But if we're going to live our lives like Jesus, then we're probably going to be called upon to to take some unpopular stands. Because, you see, Jesus was all about justice and fairness and lifting up the lowly and peace and loving your enemy, and things like that. And let's be honest, folks. Some people don't like that. Especially people in places of power, because sometimes talk like that threatens their place of power. And so persecution begins. And so the question is not if we experience persecution or not, if we're following in the footsteps of Christ. The question is, how are we going to respond to persecution when it comes? Well, let's look at our beatitude again. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in verses 11 and 12, it said, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great, for they persecuted the prophets in the same way. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say avoid persecution. 
And by the way, it doesn't say that we should go out of our way to try to make people mad either. But what it says is, don't compromise who you are. And don't compromise what you believe just to get along with everyone else. And, and don't be afraid of persecution because some of it is going to come your way. And you can rejoice about that. And you can be glad about that because this persecution is only a temporary thing. But your reward in heaven will be great. I want us to look at our second scripture for today. For today. This next verse comes from Philippians 4.13. But before we read it, I want to tell you who Paul is writing to and, and where he is writing from. He's writing to a church that he's already been to in a town called Philippi. And in Acts 16, we are told that, that while he was there in Philippi, he was sharing the gospel. And as a result of that, he was arrested and they took him to the town square and they tore his clothes off of him. They beat him publicly and then they threw him into the dungeon. And at midnight, while he was sitting there in his own blood, naked and cold, not knowing whether he would live or die, God delivered him from that terrible place. But now he is writing this letter to the Philippians. And guess what? He's in prison again. He's imprisoned this time in Rome as he writes this letter. And he's writing back to the Christians in Philippi. And it seems that the, 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 a part of the context of this letter is that they had sent him a gift. Now, I don't know if you know that in, in uh, Roman times, if you were in prison, your family or your friends were responsible for your upkeep, for providing you with food and, and shelter and things like that. So, so um, they had sent him a gift, a financial gift. And so Paul was saying to them, thank you for your gift. He said, I appreciate you thinking of me, but I want to I want to tell you something. I want you to know something. I was OK even before you sent that gift. It meant a lot to me that you sent it, but I want to let you know that I've learned a secret. I've learned how to get along when I don't have the things that I need. And I've also learned how to get along when I have too much. I know how to get along when I'm hungry. I know how to get along when I'm full. And then he says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My friends, that is the secret of being able to endure persecution. So I want us to dissect this little secret for a little bit this morning. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. First of all, he said... I can. And when he said, I can, that speaks of unlimited participation. And I hope that everyone in this room can leave here today saying, I can make a difference in my world. I hope you can leave here saying, I can make a difference at my job. I can make a difference at my, my school or in my circle of friends because a lot of times what we do is we decide that, that other people can make a difference, but I can't. We think because there are so many things that are going on in my life right now, and so many things are not right in my life right now, I can't make, make much of a difference. We know something Paul could have made excuses to. He was in prison for goodness sake. But Paul did not see prison as an excuse. Instead, he saw it as an opportunity. You know, they used to trade off guards uh, who were chained to Paul because they would have a Roman soldier chained up to him at all times and he would introduce that Roman soldier to Jesus and then they'd have to put another soldier on him. And, and, and he loved it because every time he got a new soldier, he had a new prospect. So he didn't use his persecution as an excuse. He used it as an opportunity. And you can, too. There's one man that I admire very much is, is a man named Bob Wheland. Several years ago, Bob Wheland set a record in the Boston Marathon. You see, he ran the longest Boston Marathon ever recorded. 
And those of you who know anything about Boston, the Boston Marathon, you know that, that it takes most people probably about two and a half, three hours to run. And that's a pretty good run. But Bob's time was two days, four hours, and 43 seconds. Now, here's what's amazing about this, folks. Bob Whelan doesn't have any legs. He doesn't have any legs. So when he got ready to run the Boston Marathon, he made himself about a a 15-pound saddle that he strapped to his torso, and he made two leather gloves that looked kind of like boxing gloves. And what he did for for two days, four hours and 43 seconds, is that he threw his arms out, He lifted up his torso along with that 15-pound saddle. He swung his body forward, and it hit the pavement, and and then he did it again. He did that for two days, four hours, and 43 seconds. And when he finally came across the finish line, this is what he said. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, when he was young, they told him that he couldn't be an athlete because he didn't have any legs. But you know something? He didn't listen to them. Instead, he listened to another voice that said, you might be surprised at what you can accomplish in my power and in my strength. So let me ask you something. Are you making excuses right now? Are you thinking that you can't make a difference, that you can't make an impact in your world because of the the struggles or the problems or the illness or the lack of funds that you might have right now? Listen to what Paul had to say. Even while he was in prison and being persecuted, here's what Paul had to say. I can Then look at the second part of that verse. It says, I can do all things. I can do all things. The I can of this passage speaks of unlimited participation and the do all things speaks of unlimited production. So in other words, we underestimate not only who God is, but we also underestimate what God can do. I want us to look at another passage of Scripture from the Gospel of John this morning. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them bears much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. I want to tell you something. In in, in the Bible, most of the time when you see the word fruit, it's usually talking about the character of Christ. You see, God wants to reproduce in us the very character of Christ. We see this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when, when we see nine characteristics that are known as the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that, that God wants to produce in our lives. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one of the ways that God creates this character in us is that God gives us the strength that we need to face persecution when it comes. And that makes us stronger. And it also makes us better people. You ever heard that expression, that which does not kill me makes me better or makes me stronger? You ever heard that? It's true. In 1 Peter, it says that the persecution we face is like fire. And the fire burns all the impurity from us and we become like pure gold. And so so God wants to produce a fruit within us, a character within us, in such a way that we would become more like Jesus. One of my favorite stories is about a a guy who was... um, waiting to get on the subway and as he was about to get on he he noticed that there was a single mom standing there and she had a lot of packages and she had a preschooler by the hand you know the picture you know she just had more more to hang on to than she could and 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 somehow somebody bumped into this little preschooler and 
and, and the little boy had a, had a box full of puzzle pieces and the box went flying up into the air and of course the puzzle pieces went all over, all over the floor. And so this guy had a decision to make. He could get on his train, which was there, and get to where he was going or he could help this lady. And so he laid down his briefcase and he got down on his hands and knees and he pulled all those little puzzle pieces together. Now, the little kid was crying and, and, and he put them back in the box and he put the lid back on the box and gave it to the, to the, to the little boy and, and made sure that he was okay. And then he sees his train take off. He was trying to figure out how he was going to get on his, his, his next train and how late he was going to be. And about that time, he feels a, a, a tug on his pants leg. And that little boy looks up, and, up at him and says, Are you Jesus? Hmm. Now, folks, let me ask you something. When was the last time somebody asked you that question? <laughs> Maybe not so much in, in those words, but when was the last time that you did something that was so unexpected and so godly that just for a, for a moment, somebody saw the character of Christ in you. You see, I think that when we go through our difficulties, when we go through persecution, we have the opportunity for God to build character in us and for us to become more like Jesus. But persecution also allows us the opportunity to offer a tremendous testimony to the love of God. Here's another time when Paul found himself in hot water for being faithful to Christ. The Bible tells us that Paul and Silas were, well, they spent a lot of time there. They were in jail again. And they were singing to God. And they were praying. The Bible says at midnight, God shook that prison and all the doors of the prison flew open. And, and, and when all the doors flew open, the guard thought that everyone had escaped. And he thought that he was, he was not only about to lose his job, but in those days things were pretty harsh. And he thought he was probably about to lose his life as well because he was responsible for all those prisoners in there. And if they had escaped, he would be called to task. So he thought he was about to lose his life. And so he was just about to commit suicide when Paul called out and said to him, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. He said, we know we can walk out of here anytime we want to, but we don't want to endanger your life. And so this guard comes up to Paul and said, what can I do to have what you have? Now, notice that the guard didn't go to the robbers or the murderers. He went to those crazy guys in the basement singing Amazing Grace. Because you see, what, what happened was that when they went through this persecution, it allowed them to show that they were different. And so folks, don't be afraid of hard times in your life. Because it's when, when the times of your life are the, dark, are the darkest, that's when you can shine the brightest. Some of the greatest opportunities that you will ever have to witness to the power and love of Jesus Christ are when people persecute you and render evil against you and, and in return, you share love back to them. That's when others can see the light of Christ best in your life. So, I can speaks of the unlimited uh, participation and the phrase, do all things, speaks of unlimited production. And then we have this last part that says, through Christ who strengthens me. And that speaks of the unlimited power of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something about that passage we read from John 15 a minute ago. It's an agricultural illustration. And Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. And what he's saying here is that we need to be connected to Jesus. 
Because, folks, we will never really be all that God has created us to be until, first of all, we are connected to Jesus. Pastor Steve Stroop says that, in his opinion, most people are not connected to Christ. He says, I find that most people at best are dating Jesus. He says 95% of the people in America believe in God and most even talk to God, but you would talk to a date, wouldn't you? But there's a difference in, in dating someone and being married to them. You, you see, you, you may have a knowledge of God and you may have a belief about God, but you're not married to God. So what's the difference, he asks. Well, what's the difference in being married? It's a commitment. Stroop says that I found that a lot of people know that Jesus is God, that he walked on the earth, that he led a perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. But knowing about that is different from being committed to him. He says, it's amazing to me. I can talk to people and find out whether whether they're married or not right away. Ma'am, what's your name? Joanne. Joanne, are you married? She doesn't take long to answer that question. People usually know whether they're married or not, but but people don't really know if they know God or not. He says, I can come up to someone and ask her, are you a Christian? And they'll say, well, you know, I I used to go to church. Or sometimes I get, well, you know, I was at camp a long time ago and we were sitting around the campfire and singing Kumbaya and I got this funny feeling, so I I may be a Christian. That's kind of like saying, I I saw this girl one time and I got this funny feeling, so I might be married. (laughs) You see, you can believe in God in your head. And you can even have this warm, fuzzy feeling towards God. But folks, that's different from being committed to God. You see, God has this invitation that's out there for every one of us that says, I want to be your God. Will you marry me? Will you make a commitment to me? And so the first thing, if we're going to bear fruit, if we're going to bear the character of Jesus Christ, if we are going to influence people or make a difference in our world, the first thing that we have to do is to be connected to Christ. This whole idea of persecution reminds me of a lady that took her her car to a repair shop. She found out that that she was going to be stuck there all day, and she was not very happy about it. And she didn't have anything to eat, but there was a a little machine there that, that had some cookies. And so she got herself a little bag of cookies, and she went over and sat down at the only place there was to sit. There was a little table where a man was already sitting. So she sat down at this table, and, and she'd, she'd only been there a few minutes when she reached out and got a cookie. And the man who was sitting at the table across from her also reached out and took a cookie. Well, she looked at him like, how dare you? So she ate that first cookie, and then she reached out and got a second cookie, and the man also got a second cookie. And if, if looks could kill, this man would be gone. Well, there's one last cookie left and sitting on the table. And before she could get it, he grabbed it. And he grinned at her. <laughs> then he broke it in half and gave her half of the cookie. Well, she was so mad that she got up and, and stormed off. And, and, and it was only then that she looked down in her purse and saw that her cookies were still there. <laughs> You know, when we face hardships in our lives, a lot of times we think that God's messing with our cookies. But folks, I want to tell you something. First thing that we need to understand is they're not our cookies. The very air that we breathe is a gift from God. The very life that you are experiencing right now is a gift from God. And when things do not go the way that you want them to go, 
don't think that God's messing with your cookies. Instead, let me encourage you to do what the Scripture says. And that is rejoice. Be exceedingly glad, even in the face of persecution, because through your hardship, you can also, you can become a better person. You can become more like Jesus. But also through your hardship, you can influence others in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray together. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the gift of life that we all enjoy. And I thank you for your word that causes us to look at life in a different way than we would normally look at it. Thank you that because of our relationship with you, we can see victory in every situation, no matter how hopeless it may seem. Because you can redeem any situation that we're in. Thank you that every person in this room can be connected with you, O God, and through that connection, we can bear much fruit. Help us to claim that promise along with Paul that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the, to the work of God's Spirit in your heart. We're going to give you the opportunity to say yes to Christ. There may be someone here today who's never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made that connection to Christ, as John called it in chapter 15. Maybe you need to do that. Or maybe your commitment to Christ is just kind of superficial, and you're dating Jesus, and you're not really committed to, to Him. And to following in his ways. Maybe it's time for you to get that straight in your life today. Maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church as we sing today. Maybe life has been really hard for you lately. And you feel like you're being under someone's thumb. And you're persecuted. And, and life is just full of problems for you right now. You need a little help. I'll tell you, God's there. And I can be here to pray with you. So if God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come. We're going to sing 456. Precious Lord, take my hand. Would you come? God, that is the prayer of our hearts, that you would take our hands and lead us home. Out of our depths, sometimes, oh God, we cry, where are you? And sometimes our pain overtakes us and our fear crowds out any hope that we have and our tears flow from a place that's, that's too deep for words. 
Sometimes we are numbed by anxiety and paralyzed by confusion. And sometimes we even wrestle with what we believe. And yet still the bruises on our hearts cry out for a a healing touch. And we ache for you to enter into our suffering. And so, oh God, we pray that you would give us one small mercy so that we will know that you're with us. Give us your strength, oh God, to endure the hardness of living your life. And give us your joy so that we may be cheerful servants of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.